Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. My name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 41 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm excited to be joined again by Ray Vargas for our Suicide Squad spoiler cast. How are you doing, Ray? I'm doing good. Glad to be back. Hello, everyone. Glad to have you back. It's been a little bit of a... Uh, time. I think the last time we had you on was for X Men Apocalypse. Yeah, that's right. Well, it does seem kind of like a a long time ago. Yeah, it was the be- beginning of the summer. Wow. Well, as I mentioned, this is our our Suicide Squad spoiler cast. So if you do not want spoilers, once we actually start talking about the show, you may want to put us away for a while until you get to see the the movie. I'm reading that right but... now. I'm reading Suicide Squad spoiler cast. I'm glad I don't have to say that again. That. <laughs> I was watching it come up in the notes going, okay, Joe's about to say this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I practiced a little. Um, so cool. Well, if uh, if you're new to the podcast and you haven't heard about Ray yet, you can go all the way back to episode one and find out about all of his geekiness. Um, but other than that, uh, Ray, what have you been up to since we talked to you last? I mean, they can just keep listening to this podcast and I'm sure my geekiness will shine. <laughs> <laughs> you, you reestablish your geek. Cred. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Every time, um, surprise myself even sometimes. Um, uh, this week, I've actually—I mean, I guess it's several weeks since we last talked, but um, I've actually made my way back into my local comic shop, which I'm really excited about and happy that I finally followed up on on my intent to start reading comics again on on a regular basis. And so, I really enjoyed uh, the Chewbacca. Um, graphic novel that came out. Um, I heard a lot of good things about the series, and it was great. Love the art, love the writing, um, and Saga. Of course, it's I'm waiting for every new graphic novel that comes out. I prefer the the you know collected stories as opposed to uh, individual issues. So it it definitely can make me impatient a little bit because it's such a great story. But um, I was really excited to see a new book in the, in the shop. Um, also. Um, Got to watch Stranger Things on Netflix. I know I see that you listed that as one of the things you've you've been up to as uh, as well. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Um, I'm on episode three or four. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm not done with it yet, so no spoilers. Okay, okay. But um, 
my my nephew is in town and uh he's 13 and it's been a little intense the couple of episodes that we've watched with him so i think he's right at that age where it's just enough that he's like ah, i don't know that i should be watching this just before i go to bed right right <clears throat> and along that same lines my husband will often say, oh, I don't know that I should be watching this just before I go to bed. <laughs> so we've been moving through it at a snail's pace, and uh, Matt's actually out of town right now, so I'm waiting for him to get back so we can finish the series. Oh. But uh, I'm loving it. Yeah. I'm loving it. I, though I did have to take a um, a double take at, um, oh, my God, her name's completely... Winona Ryder? Uh, yes, Renona Ryder. I looked at her and was like, holy crap. <laughs> like, you're mom age now. <laughs> Like, how did that happen? Yeah, right. Especially, I I feel like she's one of those um, people, celebrities, whatever you want to call it, that she she didn't age for a long time, and she looks no, great. She really didn't. I mean, she does really, but it's weird. I think after seeing somebody famous like that not age and appear, and you kind of like file that in your head as like, oh, okay, I get it. That person's just always going to look like that. Well, obviously that's not true and that's not possible. So I think even just a little bit of maturity that we're seeing now is like, oh, wow, she looks different. Yeah, and it, honestly, it's not even so much the way she looks. It's it's just the role she's playing. It's just like yeah, I love it. Renona Ryder, the mom. It's just such a different yeah. way of looking at her. And she's I from what I've seen, she's done an excellent job. Like I, I feel bad for her character, but I, I can't stop watching her. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I loved her in this. Um, I watched it almost entirely in one day. Uh, it's eight episodes long, so I. I we watched the first six episodes in one day, and I couldn't quite make it. You know, I guess sign of me getting older. But um, we we caught up with it a couple of days later and finished it off. Uh, I really liked it a lot. And funny you should mention about you know how how intense it can be at times. Um, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I just got back from a a week long camping trip up in Yosemite, and there were plenty of mentions of the upside down as we were out. Hiking. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I can't wait to finish it up. Um, really invested in the characters. I think they did a really good job of creating characters that that uh, we we can invest in. Are is is this based on a book or a comic book or is this just out of Netflix's vault of really cool ideas? I believe it's that last one. Yeah, um, the guys who made this. Um they worked with uh, M. Night Shyamalan recently, I believe, and this is their first, like, major project, like, on their own. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just an overall kind of homage to, you know, the 80s, which I think it's really cool how they were able to, and some people might disagree with me on this, but I feel like they were able to really evoke this, like, pay true homage. You know, they're evoking this this feeling um this uh, uh, aesthetic, you know, film mm-hmm. aesthetic, storytelling aesthetic, without like actually like going into overdrive and like hitting us over the head with it. Although, like I said, I, I've spoken to some people that say, oh, they've literally like lifted certain scenes from certain movies, like line for line. Um, but I didn't feel like it went too far in that direction. I feel like they really just nailed that balance of like, you know, finding the right themes, the right actors, the right, you know, storyline. Um, without it feeling like redundant or like, oh, I already know what's going to happen or I've seen this before. Yeah, I'm I'm to that point where they've just all started to kind of realize that something darker is happening. Mm-hmm. 
and I just turned to Matt and I was like, all right, now they need to, and I don't, you don't have to tell me if they do or not, but I'm like, this is now where they need to kind of come together and start working together as opposed to everybody just being like, oh, so-and-so is crazy. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like, I feel like it's reached that point where they didn't go on too long with that. And now that everybody realizes that this is a lot scarier than, um, than they first realized, okay, let's, let's like really move into the dark places and not beat around the bush anymore. So one thing that's really cool you can do after you you finish the series, um, there's a super cut online floating around and it's this video where somebody has taken scenes or shots from Stranger Things and put them side by side with with the scenes and shots from 80s movies that inspired them. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, well, I want to go back to, to Saga because I keep... I keep putting that on my list and it keeps getting bumped down. <laughs> and so I think I just need to bite the bullet and start. Yeah. And I've been looking for something to read, so that might be what what I do this week. Sure. But um is it something that I can just jump into with the first um the collected trades or do I need to Yeah, no. Just no orders. Pick up the first trade and um just start reading. Uh one thing that's cool, I do have to say this and I actually wanted to touch on this with you at some point as we talk about um, Ghostbusters and Star Trek Beyond, two films that I also have seen since the last time we talked. Um, the, and, and, and it kind of, it's going to inform a little bit of my opinion on Suicide Squad, which we're going to, you know, spoiler review later. Um, this idea of like expectations and how expectations, whether good or bad, really, I feel like for me, they influence what feeling I take away after watching something or, or consuming some kind of media, you know? Yeah, I would agree. And um, with Saga, I feel like I picked that up because it looked interesting. Someone said, oh, yeah, that's good. And so I grabbed it, and I did not, I did not hear or read anything else about it for a couple of months until I realized it was still sitting on my shelf. And I thought, you know what? I need to start. I need to read that book that I bought and I read it and I loved it. And I've been on it ever since. And I really love it. And so what I don't want to do is say to you, it's so amazing. And then kind of get those expectations up. You know what I mean? It's a Mm -hmm. really good, like solid story. I love what they do with the characters. I love how unexpected it, it is at times and how it surprises me. Um, you know, I mentioned the Chewbacca comic and how much I liked that mo- that uh, book as well. With that one, I came to that comic because it was really hyped. I feel like I heard and read a lot about how great it was. And when I picked it up, the first time I read it, I was a little bit disappointed. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, wait a minute. Like, this is, you know, I'm nitpicking here because my expectations were so high. I was expected to be blown away by a Chewbacca comic. Like, let's, you know... <laughs> you know and i read it again and you know with that in mind and i just found that i just really enjoyed it it was just a really solid story so you know um i think i feel like that that mean that there's some there's something there you know you know in terms of like thinking about expectations on something i mean come on we're geeks like star wars you know we can talk about this in terms of whatever we may you know enjoy or consume yeah i i would agree i i think I think for Saga, for me, is I, like I've had so many people say that it's a really good, um, uh, you know, really, really good series. But it's not like when I approach people with, um, oh, what's the show, with Sense8, <laughs> where, 
when I t- when I talk about Sense Eight, I'm like, no, it is so mind blowingly like I can see myself <laughs> setting the expectations high for people. Yeah, and and I don't think anybody's done that with Saga. I think everybody's kind of just said it's a really good book. You definitely should read it. I think you'll like it. Yeah. and so I'm, and and that makes me feel good because it's it's not something that I think I would naturally be drawn to. I would really only be reading it because so many people have recommended it. Sure. But nobody's gone like full-on geek on me on on saga okay, cool. where where i have i will i i have i have caught myself and have started pulling myself back from going full-on geek on people right? because yeah because you don't want to set those <laughs> exactly. expectations too high exactly and uh and especially with uh with movies now i'm just going into everything with the lowest expectations i can i can build because i'm if i'm if i'm going to pay the money that we pay to go see a movie in the theaters yeah. I, I'm gonna. I want to get some enjoyment out of it, and and at this point, since we do so many spoiler reviews, I feel like I have to go see all of these movies so I can have an opinion on them. <laughs> so it's very much like, well, all right, I'm going in, and everybody says it's it's crappy. We'll we'll look at it and we'll see, you know, where where are the good nuggets that we can talk about on this show? It's so hard to maintain that, like. Um neutrality on something though especially because like i you know i'm sure you can identify with this i get so excited about these properties that i'm mm-hmm. just and and i own up to it fully with my friends and you know people around me i'm like i'm an easy sell when it comes to this stuff i don't care how much you know the last thing you know disappointed me i'm gonna get so excited for the next thing you know yeah um, and it's almost to the point where you know I try to keep that neutral kind of you know uh expectation going in. I'll even avoid reviews most of the time um but when I start to hear word of mouth that something's really good, I almost get bummed out a little bit because I'm like, oh, and <laughs> here we go yeah for me, it's kind of like i i I have started just looking at the metacritic rating just to see where I need to kind of line myself up with yeah. like if it's really low um critic ratings but very high user ratings I'm like okay it's going to be a fun movie if it's high on both accounts I'm like all right well I'm going to set my expectations kind of lower just so that way I can enjoy it as much as all of these people seem to yeah I'm going to start that's a good approach I'm going to I'm going to try that yeah, it, it's helpful. It's helpful. It also lets me know what what movies to drag Matt to and whatnot to. Because if it's if it's in the red, he's like, I don't know. Oh my god, that's so true. Oh my god, I, I'm just thinking like I've I I mean obviously I'm sharing you know stuff with my partner that I really love that I feel is good and is worth her time. Um, but <laughs> sitting you know sitting in the theater watching Batman vs Superman for the first time along with her you know i was a little bummed for her kind of going up like yeah well it was the same thing with me when i took my friends to uh to see warcraft i was like you know the entire time sitting there thinking like i really probably should go back and watch the movie just by myself so i can kind of um you know, just kind of re-experience it just as a fan, because in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, oh, my God, I hope they're getting this. Oh, my God, I hope they're loving this. Oh, my God, I hope they're enjoying this. Like, you know, it's just it creeps in. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, very cool. Well, shall we shall we talk about Ghostbusters and Star Trek Beyond? I would like to do that. But before that, I want to hear what else you've been doing, uh, what kind of geeky stuff you've been up to this week. Um, The big thing that I have been to is, um, as I said last week, um, we're we've become a very big Pokemon Go household. Cool. 
mostly because well two 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 big reasons one it's where my interests and Matt's interests intersect because it doesn't take um, much convincing to talk my husband into going out and exploring the world because he just loves to you know walk around and look at nature and you know look at what's changing in the city and so you know, now you've added a, a video game component for me, so I don't feel like I'm staring at the same trees for three hours at a time. Um, so that's that's been nice. But we've also had my my nephew here for the last three weeks. He came out and joined us at Comic Con, and then um, we've been taking care of him, and he's he's going home uh, on Tuesday. And you you run out of things to do with the 13 year old, right? And so, you know, it would be kind of like, well, we're going to go to the grocery store, but we'll go kind of a roundabout way so that we can get a whole bunch of Pokestops. And, <laughs> you know, and then it's not so bad and it's a little bit of an adventure. And um, we went to dinner one night at Islands out in Palm Desert. And, uh, you know, he's he's playing Pokemon while we're waiting to order. And the, the waiter comes over and he says, hey, there's a park nearby that's a really good place to to catch Pokemon. And we're like, oh, that's cool. Thanks for, for letting us know. So after dinner, we went. And when he said that it was a good place to catch Pokemon, he wasn't kidding because there was, Ray, I'm not kidding you, at least 80 people. Wow. Walking around. Families, teenagers, <laughs> guys who looked a little bit questionable in their um, intent, you know, <laughs> that if you walked by them on a, a, a city block you would kind of be like dude what are you doing and everybody was sitting there talking about pokemon and what they just caught wow <laughs> see that's cool i i am not um really a, a gamer at all actually not. Mm -hmm. um and you know pokemon was something that i was aware of growing up but i never got into it but i'm one of those people that though i'm not into it at all whatsoever like i don't hate on it at all i kind of don't get that you know um i'm all for it, it you know it, it's it just seems like a cool thing that people are into and they're enjoying themselves and people are out and they're connecting over this it's just you know i i i'm not a believer in um you know if you spend your time you know, enjoying some kind of frivolous activity or, or whatever, then you're not aware of and, you know, concerned about, like, important social issues as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's yeah. plenty of room for both, I feel like. And, in fact, I would feel – I actually think they, they are important to each other. Well, it's, it's interesting because I've, I've been talking to a lot of people recently uh, about – you know, I, I'm a big proponent for for fixing geek culture and making sure that you know our house is clean before we start venturing out into the world and and trying to influence there. It's kind of like we're we're part of this microcosm that's very reflective of the world right now. Yeah. And and so I'm I'm a big proponent of fixing our house. And um, the what I'm finding is a lot of people who like video games or who like comic books or who like this geeky stuff are kind of on the same page. And, and it's kind of neat to see all these little movements that are starting up that are trying to kind of just make the world a better place by finding the commonality of people's interests. Yeah. So, so yeah, anything like Pokemon go that can bring people together. I am, I am all for. And I mean, honestly, I, and I, 
I mean, I'm kind of an intersection of like a lot of different like interests. Like I'm into sports, I'm into art, I'm into, you know, geek culture. Um, and so I see, I feel like I, like I'm aware of a, of a lot of different points of view. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, people that I see kind of bashing Pokemon go as, you know, a waste of time or as like, you know, diverting your attention from important issues. I mean, let's be real. Most of those people are, are, you know, record collectors or sports fans or whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, only certain things, only certain, you know, interests are allowed and others are not. That's just, I don't know. I, 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 I can't get behind that. You know, I think we have this fear of stuff that we don't know or understand. Yeah. And and we've compartmentalized a lot of stuff in our lives where we don't want to be associated with that other stuff because um, we have a preconceived notion about it. And so I think a lot of people who, who see that are afraid to jump onto the, the Pokemon Go bandwagon because, A, they don't have the experience and are afraid that they're going to be um, the noob you know, and treated as such. But also because they, in their mind, have associated video games with a certain type of people, and they don't want to be that certain type of people. Yeah, sure. And I think that that is a problem that we have worldwide right now. It's like we're so like I think I think social media has done a very good job of letting people know that there are people like them out there. So you know, you you've got movements like it gets better. Mm-hmm. which allow, you know, gay teens to realize that, you know, they're not alone, especially if they live in a uh, an area where they don't encounter a lot of other gay people. Right. But at the same time, I think you also have now a um a microphone for people who have been kind of closeted racists. Yeah. And and, you know, bigots of all types and they're like, "Well, yeah, so see this guy agrees with me." And it's like no, <laughs> no, that was nobody's giving you permission to 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 spread the ignorance. Yeah. You know, go back into your hole. Yeah, and um and and unfortunately, I think it's kind of that that dual situation where we have people who are comfortable in their group, yeah. and they don't want to acknowledge or deal with anybody outside of their group. I think also there's something inherent in human nature that says, well. My shit is important. Your mm-hmm. shit is just shit. <laughs> Sorry if you're gonna have to beep that out or or whatever. But no, no, we've got it. We've got an explicit rating. Okay, they made cool, us choose. Cool. So you know what I mean, though. It's kind of like this thing that I waste my time on is actually really important because. Oh, mm-hmm. and then your thing that you waste your time on is just a waste of time. You know, um, yeah. and and I feel like you know a lot of us have a hard time getting outside of our own you know, experience and, and realizing that, no, there's a lot of different ways that people enjoy themselves and spend their time and it doesn't make them any less anything, you know? Yeah, well, it's sad because, I mean, just if you just take us, because we're not the best example of this, but you have different interests than I do. They overlap, but there's a, there's a very good Venn diagram of where our interests lie. Yeah, for sure. But that overlap has grown over just our, our knowing each other because you're like, hey, have you heard about this? And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I would have never liked that yeah. if you hadn't introduced it to me and vice versa. And it's kind of like now we have a commonality that's connection. It's like that's what everybody should be doing. I mean sometimes it even, you know, even something that I'm not into that I know you are or, you know, we have mutual friends that are into things that I'm like, oh, I saw this thing and it looks cool, but I know this person is going to be really excited about it. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go share it on their page because, you know, whereas I feel this looks kind of interesting, I know they're going to be like, you know, just super excited about it. So I want to share it with that person. Um, and so, yeah, like I want, I definitely wanted to hear your take on Pokemon Go. And, you know, I want to know Sean's take on the, you know, movie on the next World War II film coming out or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that I that makes stuff that wouldn't normally wouldn't matter as much to me matter even more. Yeah. And when I find myself thinking about what, like when I'm, I'm enjoying something, you, you, you get excited to share that with people, you know, will like it. And, and that like, I don't, I don't understand how people don't want to build those connections. Like you've got this group of people that you exist with, whether you, you like them or not. Why, why spend all your time disliking them (laughs) because they're, because they're swishing their finger up on their cell phone while they walk through the park (laughs) when you could say, Hey, you know, I don't care about Pokemon go, but you know, did you see the, the game this morning? And you know, that's your, that's your geeky thing. Yeah, totally. And so, you know, everyone just needs to embrace their inner geek because everyone is geeky about something, if not multiple things. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And, and the more we cross over, the more we kind of learn to get along with people that are different than us. So speaking of geeky things, um, I see you have listed cosplay on here. Yes. I spent a very long time yesterday. Um, designing a cosplay really that if i want to pull it off i'm going to have to do a hell of a lot of working out between now and i think i'm gonna i'm setting my goal as WonderCon, which is in march okay hold on this is great this is the first time and again i don't you know i'm not into the cosplay world and stuff but this is the first time i hear of cosplay as an impetus for fitness and it's not an uncommon thing. A lot of people um, – you know, I, and I, I want to preface this by saying I am not somebody who thinks that you have um, – you have to be a certain body type or body shape to cosplay. That is not at all what I am putting out there. Sure. Um, but I am a bigger gentleman, and the cosplay that I have designed requires articles of clothing that I will not currently fit in. And um, – if I want to highlight certain aspects of it, you're going to have to be able to see my belt. <laughs> so <laughs> the gut needs to go. <laughs> but um, I'm not announcing what it is yet until I, I need I need a month of solid working out to know that I can stick with it before I kind of say what it is. Because if I can't do it, then I don't want to. You know, this this is kind of my throwing the lure out there to try and right. and motivate myself to to start working out because um, I really want to do this. I've thought about this take on a character for a very long time, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm just gonna spend the day designing it and see if I can pull it off. And it doesn't look like it's gonna be that expensive. It doesn't look like it's gonna be that hard. The hard part is going to be making my body fit into it. <laughs> this is all great, and I can't wait to hear more as this develops. <laughs> I, I will, I will, I will tell you off the air what it is. Oh man! But Congrats, um, you succeeded in making me extremely excited for WonderCon. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I mean, and, and I think you will be exceedingly excited about the the 
the character that I have chosen. That's great. Uh, spoiler alert, it is not Deadpool, because everybody does Deadpool. It is not Deadpool or variant on Deadpool, but it is a very different take on a character. I, I say that I'm not into cosplaying, but the truth of the matter is that I am really, really supremely into Halloween, which basically mm-hmm. means that I use that, you know, as an outlet for my closeted, you know, cosplaying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm really into Halloween. Uh, I go all out. Uh, usually I spend way too much money and time and effort into my costume uh, just about every year. And I pride myself on finding, for me, it's all about like the right match, you know, of, of uh-huh person, attitude, body type, whatever, with character. Um, Not to say that there is only one body type that's allowed, but, you know, there's characters that um, people just have the right look for. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, certainly there's times that, you know, a a big bearded dude like me, like dressing up as a little red riding or something would be funny in its own way. But, right. You know, I'm I I realized this a while back that you know my wheelhouse is you know Frankenstein werewolf you know uh, <laughs> that's sort of, you know what I mean like I um and so th- there's some fun in that there's some fun in realizing like oh I'm the right build or type or whatever to pull off this you know costume exceedingly well and so mm-hmm. I get really excited you know usually around June or July when I realize you know I figure out what I want to be for Halloween that year and start working on it so. So have you already picked what you're going to be in for Halloween this year? I have a couple of, um, I mean, I've got a backlog of ideas. <laughs> Usually it's like I have to pick one and make that happen that year. Um, mm-hmm. This year, I'm thinking right now it's going to be um, Beast Man from, from the He-Man uh, cartoon series of the 80s. Oh, that's phenomenal. So that kind of gives you an idea of, uh, for those of you that don't know what I look like, I feel like that. At first, I was thinking Skeletor. I was actually planning Skeletor a couple years ago. But uh-huh. as I was doing my research, um, of course, you know, an excuse to do research um, on something geeky, um, I, I realized, like, I mean, yeah, I could probably pull off a Skeletor, you know, according to the, to the cartoon, but that I grew up, like, obsessed with. But Beast Man is like... I wouldn't even have to shave. Like, like, I would have to, like, basically jump into a tub of, like, orange paint, and I'm Beast Man. So, you know, like, I, I decided to take that and run with it. That's, that, I, I will be very impressed to see that. That's going to be exciting. Because that is not something that a lot of people have the, um, the, the courage to try and pull off, <laughs> nor do they, you know, I, I have a group of friends that anytime somebody asks if they cosplay when they say they're going to uh, Comic-Con, they go, no, it's too much work. Yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and so this one, I, I'm going, compl- like, I, I'm doing a take on a character. So it is, um, it is not, it is not going to be at all standard to the character. And I think that's kind of, you know, you were mentioning what body type you have and what it will match up with. And I think that's what I'm most excited about this character is that it is a character that is not at all like me and not at all, um, in my, um, you would not associate this character with me at all, but, but giving it a different take so that I could play that character, um, is I think what has me excited. So I'll tell you about I'll tell you more about that afterwards. And I, I apologize to the listeners, but you're gonna have to wait until I'm not I'm not announcing this until 
probably September because I need to know that I can do a month of of working out. Because if I can't if I can't work out, there, there's no point in me doing this. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times those result in the most um, memorable, you know, cosplay outfits are the other ones where it's a take that you know you're you is unexpected or, or really creative. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, and I'm a I'm a big fan of like there's there's some stuff that I would love to do in the future if I really enjoy this. Um, one of my uh, Matt's niece may be trying to come out to Comic Con next year. We're gonna see if we can get her a ticket, and she was really she's really into cosplay, and so I was kind of like, all right, well, if I have some people that want to do cosplay, then maybe this is something that that I'm I'm ready to in my life venture into. Yeah. <laughs> and and so stuff like stuff like taking, you know, that is way outside of my skill level right now. So that's why I can talk about it because it ain't going to happen anytime soon. But I would like to take like the the arrow from this last season, um, his outfit, but do Hawkeye instead. Ooh. You know, mashups like that I really think would be cool. Um, yeah, just and 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 so after I kind of had established, you know, I I made a document with all the pictures and links to stuff so that I know where it is and and I'm like okay I wonder what else I could do if I if I can pull this off what else you know what other fun things you know so I'm already I haven't even done this one yet and I'm already starting to think about what other ones I could do so I think I think cosplay may be in my uh my future there's definitely that sweet spot of like you know just obscure enough that you know people have to really be in the know to get it and fully appreciate it Mm-hmm. But then also like something you know uh, visually striking or appealing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's what I think. I, you know, the, this first one's going to have to be a lot of store bought stuff mm. that I put together to, to to make it happen. But I think the concept is cool enough, and uh, I may get some some help from Lisa Larusa. Uh, <laughs> oh, cool! To 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 just make it, you know, just the little finishing touches. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, you you might have to cut this part out. I don't know if you've talked about this already, but I wanted to know um, how Comic Con went for you this year. You know, it was really good. It was um, it was busy. I feel like now that I'm doing a podcast, it um, there's a lot more people that I've met, so a lot more people that I'm trying to connect with when I'm there. Um, where before it was just my group of friends. And if we decided we all had different panels throughout the day, then we just did our own thing and we caught up with each other at meals. Yeah. But now it's kind of like, oh, I really want to see this person. Oh, I really want to see that person. And all the time you're kind of like handing out business cards <laughs> and saying, hey, do you like podcasts? Yeah. You know, here's here's my card. You know, give me a listen. And oh, hey, you know, you I, you're a podcaster you know, would you like to be on the show? You know, it's just a lot of kind of become a net, it's become a networking thing for me. So it's a little bit of a different take. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was cool though. I know you didn't actually go, but did did you keep up on the news and everything? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I didn't weekend of, um, I actually caught a couple of trailers, um, Saturday night, I think that popped up online, but Monday morning I was all about it. I was all about like, you know, what's, what are the big stories? Uh, what's the news and all that stuff. I actually wanted to ask you from, from being there and being on the floor, what was, what, what did you take away as the, as the big, one of the bigger stories or, or, you know, well, I, because I knew a lot of the, the stuff was going to be broadcast this year. I spent a lot of my time going to the 
the geek culture panels. So I, I stayed out of the main area for a good portion of it. Okay. And I apologize to my listeners. I still have a little bit of the cold from last week. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, what I was taking away from a lot of the panels I was at was a lot of people, like I said, trying to do social change through um, their hobbies. Mm. And um, But I think a lot of the big announcements were a lot of the television shows that are coming out. Yeah. Uh, I know Ghost Rider being on on, oh, on Agents of Shield was a big, yeah. That's kind of that's interesting. That's an interesting left turn. I feel like I, I like a lot of people have said that. I I think it goes very if if you look at Agent of Shield's kind of mo at this point is mirroring what's going on in the movies. And since we're getting Doctor Strange in the fall, it makes sense that they would try and do something that would take them into the. Supernatural. Yeah, but you know we have. I can't remember if Ghost Riders on the Defenders or not in the in the comic, but um, we've got Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and um, Jessica Jones on Netflix. For some reason, I guess I just anticipated if Ghost Rider showed up, if that character were to show up, it would be on one of those shows, you know. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so when I heard Agents of Shield, I was like, oh, okay. I don't really see you know Ghost Rider as a as a government affiliated anything, so. In any way. Well, I don't know that he will be governmentally affiliated. I think he may be the, you know, Shield's entry into the supernatural. So it's kind of like, okay, this guy's causing problems right. or, you know, and, you know, oh my gosh, it's magic. We we haven't done magic before. Wouldn't it be funny if it was just like burnt out Nick Cage, like <laughs> in his apartment somewhere, like, like leaving Las Vegas, like a mashup, like <laughs> there's no actual like, you know, motorcycle. Well, actually, I don't think it is going to be a motorcycle. I think it's going to be because it's um, it's one of the later Ghost Riders, so he's in a, a car, I think. I don't think he's going to be the original. I think he's going to be one of the – I don't think it's Johnny Blaze. I think it's – was it Richard Ryder? Oh, we're going to have to move on because this is about to turn into a huge tangent. Really? Like, <laughs> really? Well, no. What? Ghost Riders? What? I didn't even know that they did that. Let me see. Whatever. We're I, we're, Wiki, we're Wikipediaing it. I, I um, like, Robbie Reyes. I think it's supposed to be Robbie Reyes. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm so on board with changes. I'm so on board with you know, uh, New Hulk and you know, uh, whatever Captain America, Thor. You know, female Thor. Uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm on board with all that stuff. I don't know. I don't know what it is about Ghost Rider that's making me like you know. Be, become a hypocrite on this but i guess i just feel like ghost rider is such a striking that's what ghost rider is he's just the visual like that's it like mm-hmm. it's you know the flaming skull on a motorcycle with chains like so you know well the like, way the way i'm looking at this is is if because he 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 drives around in a black classic muscle car reminiscent of a dodge charger um and and i think this might be a way to if it's not you know, if if it's really successful, they can always bring Johnny Blaze on his motorcycle to Netflix, and it might be a way to right. allow that character to still be free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have to say, I was I was a big fan of um <laughs> the the twenty ninety nine series, um, mm-hmm. the Ghost Rider there because it was drawn by uh God, I always mispronounce his name. I don't know if it's Bacallo or Bacallo, uh, Chris Chris Bacallo, I think. Uh, I was a huge fan of his art back in the day, and so, you know, this this now that I'm I did the same thing, I I googled it, and so I'm I'm actually digging the the visual. Yeah, I think he'll I think he'll be good. It, it's it's just different, and I think it goes for um, 
you know, it's the it's the diversity I think they're trying to get in. There. Isn't it amazing what happens when you at first, you know, hear about something and just hate it and then give it a chance and check it out and realize, oh, no, it's not so bad. I feel like that just yeah. happened in like 30 seconds. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, because for you, it was and, and this, you know, you're an artist. So for, for you, it is very much the visual, the, the visual stuff. So unless yeah. you, you had that visual to. Uh, yeah, totally. I didn't just stay stuck in my, you know, oh, railing against. Anyway, whatever. I feel like that was just <laughs> give it a try, people. Give it a try. You know, keep an open mind. <laughs> You'll be much happier, as will the people around you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm looking at the. Yeah, it's a pretty cool car. All right, all right, all right then. All right, Marvel. I, I see you, Marvel. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Good job. Uh, keep it up. Um, speaking of ghosts, what'd you think of Ghostbusters, Joe? Um, I. I liked it. I didn't. I didn't sit there and go, "Oh my God, this is the best movie ever." But I just, I pre, I had fun with it. I, I turned off my brain for a couple hours and enjoyed the movie. Yeah, yeah. I like. How about you? Because I know you, you went the whole roller coaster of of emotions with this. I did. <laughs> I did. I was fully in support of it um, from the get go, and then as promotional tears started to come out, it just made me more and more worried and concerned until finally the last trailer that I saw before it came out, I was like, this can't, this does not look good. Like they, the, the, uh, the marketing actually lost my ticket <laughs> in this case. Um, but of course, you know, I've, I've, my, my, um, geek community around me made sure that I did not miss out on it. So, you know, um, uh, I went ahead and went and saw it, and uh, I did enjoy it, actually, although I will say um, it felt very uneven to me. I would agree. And I feel like that's something, as we will talk about Suicide Squad later, that's something that we're going to start seeing a lot more of, I feel like, going forward. I feel like this is the era of a certain type of filmmaking, and again, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but... Um, yeah, Ghostbusters just, it just felt uneven. It felt like there were things, the things that I liked about it, I really liked. And then the things that I didn't like about it were kind of like, like a stray note. Like, you know, if you're like, you're listening to like a piano recital by, you know, a young musician that, <laughs> and it sounds beautiful except for that, you know, missed note here and there, you know? And then I felt like with Ghostbusters, uh, it was kind of like that. It was, it was, you know, it was enjoyment. And then, oh, that was a horrible scene, or that was really cheesy dialogue, or what was the point of that character doing that right there? Like that was odd. But then, you know, it was, it would keep chugging along and 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 go back into the good stuff. So, you know. Yeah. No, I I, I completely agree with you. There were those moments that you just kind of tilted your head and went, "That was odd." Yeah. But usually, there was something that followed it right after that. Brought you back into it. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my roommate, Suzanne, uh, I feel like she summed it up pretty great uh, afterwards. She said, you know, it it felt like there was clear evidence of, of a filmmaker doing their thing. And then we would get um, – inter- that would get interrupted by the studio saying, oh, no, no, but we need to do this. Yeah, you know? yeah. And at the end of the day, I just wanted to hang out with the women. Like, I just wanted to see them kind of interact with one another. They could never have fought any ghosts, and I would have been okay with it. Like, if if they did Ghostbusters, like they did, um, what's that? What's that television series that was it? Ghost Hunters. Oh God, I stay away from those. I don't. Know. Oh, it was like I used to love it because it was it was just like it was just kind of 
fun TV to just watch at the end of the day. Um, but they would, you know, they would go into a house and they would set up their cameras and they did, they'd walk around at the end of the, the night. And if it was just that and we didn't see any special effects or any ghosts whatsoever, I think I would have just, I would have just enjoyed it just as much because the women were just charming on every level. Yeah. I agree. I, uh, I thought the character stuff was definitely the best. Um, the interactions, the the way you can, it's it's like you can see where the script is, and then you can see where the work of the of the actor is elevating the script and and yeah. transforming it. You know what I mean? And I mm-hmm. felt like that was the best stuff. Yeah. Um, Holtzman. I mean, it's phenomenal. Yes, just amazing. Amazing, really. Any time that she was on screen, not even in the forefront of the screen, like just I want to see it again, I'll, and I will see it again, just to watch her when she's in the background of scenes. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's fun. I, I remember thinking at one point, oh my god, I know people like her. <laughs> like, like, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the people who we act that way, and because we we do hang out with a lot of Uber geeks. Yeah. And and there are times where I'm sitting there going, that is like one of the most realistic reactions to that that a person could have. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally agree. Um, and then I just felt like it tried too hard in some things, you know, in some ways. Um, but overall, I did like it. I, you know, I thought it was good. I, I will probably be checking out checking out again. Um, but I also think that you know the big, I don't know, the big controversy online, you know, for months, it was over what really, like I, you know, it just felt really like over that movie, like that's what everyone was upset about. I, I don't know. It just, well, like, I, as I said on Facebook right after seeing the movie, um, it did not affect my love of the original movie in any way. Agreed. And um, I can still go back and watch that movie. Yeah. And I think the thing that bothered me the most at Comic-Con, and I don't, I, this, you're the first person that I'm actually saying this to, and I, I don't know why I haven't said it to people before now, but I um, saw almost no current Ghostbuster stuff. It was all throwback stuff at Comic-Con. Every, everything you saw with Ghostbusters was the original form. You mean by the, the exhibitors? Yeah, like every every display, every um every figurine, wow. every like it was all like a lot of the art was original for Ghostbusters. It's kind of like little it was little signs throughout the convention that basically said not our Ghostbusters. Wow. And that just pissed me off every time I saw it. And and it's and it, and in that way it did ruin the original for me because it felt like Oh my God! These people won't let it go. Right, right. It's like when someone—it's like when a group of people that you vehemently like, like disagree with, likes something that you like, and you're like, no, like you're liking it for the wrong reasons, or you're—you know what I mean? Like you're you're supporting that for the wrong reasons. You want you want to take it and you want to pull it away from everybody and kind of turn and go, it's okay, it's okay. They can't hurt you anymore. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean. It, I mean, People need to get over themselves. Yeah, it made me want to watch actually the original as well, just to relive that experience. Because now, cool, I have two experiences. You know what I mean with with this property. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What did What did you think of uh, 
speaking of two different experiences uh, in terms of a, a, a property, creative property, um, did you catch Star Trek Beyond? I did, and I'm going to spoiler. So if you, and it's not a big spoiler, but skip ahead five minutes if you don't want any spoilers. Um, I was okay with pretty much everything except saving the world through rock and roll. Now wait, you were okay with everything, or you really, really liked everything else? I was okay with everything. I liked I liked a lot of the character work. I liked a lot of the um, you know I I'm a big fan of kind of taking a team of people and splitting them up and making them have to find their way back to each other. Like to me that that is a fun experience for me to watch in video games and movies and everything else. So I enjoyed it as you know, in, in general, I think the thing that pulled me out the most was when we saved the world through rock and roll. See, I feel like that was a pretty brilliant moment. Yes. Really? And, and I'll say why. Because I remember when the trailer for that movie came out, and it was Beastie Boys on the trailer, and I just remember a large segment, and maybe it's just me and my experience, you know, on, on social media, but I felt like there was a huge outcry from Trekkies going, no, what are you doing to Star Trek? Like, not that song, like, that, that you know, doesn't fit, blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking, that's a bold, I mean, I'm not a Trekkie, so I remember thinking, that's a bold choice, and I commend them for, you know, taking a bold choice like that. I, don't, I mean, whatever, cool, I'm on board, you know? Um, and then to have that song <laughs> come back to the film and you realize like oh like even the trailer that was you know unbeknownst to us that was kind of giving us a hint of like that was actually a plot element yeah i could see it and i did appreciate the fact that they referred to it as classical music yeah. like i i i'm gonna be they, joe it is gonna be classical music the thing oh yeah absolutely. That, that joke that I, that I heard 10 years ago probably um about how, you know, there's going to be, like, grandparents that are, like, big fans of, like, Snoop Dogg. Like, soon. You know? <laughs> That's going to be their, you know, oldies. Yeah, for me, it wasn't so much, like, I appreciated the, the, the song being in there. Like, that wasn't the problem for me. For me, the problem was... Really, we're we're saving the world with rock and roll because I mean that's really what it was. It's kind of like oh, we need a sound frequency to disrupt the 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 enemy starships. Hmm. We just happen to have you know this this rock and roll song that we're gonna now blast through this through space. You know, it just it it felt it felt it felt it took me out of it. It took me out of it because it was like as soon as you heard her playing it, you knew that was going to be used at some point. And as soon as they started talking about how they needed to use sound, you're like, well, they're going to blare the radio. And, and, and so I just felt like, OK, we're using rock and roll to save the world. And it just felt it felt forced. And when Joe, you know, rock and roll did save the world and will continue to. So. <laughs> okay, so so are you saying all I have to do is blast my radio in November and we'll be okay? Oh man, I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, rock and roll has been co-opted. Uh, <laughs> uh, did you see that on? Was it um, was it John Oliver that did the whole thing, or was it Samantha B? Um, do you watch either of those shows? I, I catch up with John Oliver, and I've only seen one episode of Samantha B. But oh my god. She's yeah, phenomenal. But they had there was an episode of one of them. I want to say it was John Oliver where they but it may have been Samantha B where they were talking about the the 
the songs that political politicians co-opt <laughs> without without giving their permission. Right. Oh, I I saw that. I didn't click on it. I did see that. Oh, it was hilarious. They did an entire song about don't steal our songs. <laughs> and it was phenomenal. Um, you know, we're not quite speaking of this November, we're not quite at um, you know, Roddenberry's, you know, U- utopia version of right. the world yet. So, you know, just saying, you know, we're, we're we're not there yet, but clearly, you know, I really really enjoyed uh the Star, Star Trek Beyond. Um and I'm also a big Beastie Boys fan, so there you go. But um I thought it was great. I I thought it was better than it almost had to be. It, I mean, granted, you know, um the last Star Trek film didn't wasn't very good. I think it just we've kind of reached the consensus on that. Um, yeah, no, I wasn't I wasn't thrilled with it. It was it was Again, I, I think I can turn my brain off and enjoy pretty much anything, but even I left going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, this one, it, it felt kind of like a, an episode, you know, just on a grand yeah. scale. And I think that's exactly what this version of, of Star Trek needed at this point. Um, but I didn't realize that until after I, I saw it and I walked away thinking about it and kind of formulating my thoughts on it. Um, it just... Um, the writing I thought was really good. I thought the characters really are now doing it's, it's, you know, I mean, we live in this era of like reboots and starting over and like, you know, origin stories, um, everywhere we look, it's cool. It was cool to see this movie, uh, fulfill that promise and make good on, on, you know, the, the first, the, the Star Trek reboot that said, okay, we're putting together this crew and we're going forward. And it's like, now they're finally going forward. It wasn't, uh, you know, um, it wasn't like treading water. I didn't feel like I felt like, okay, now they're halfway into their five year mission. Like they're actually doing it. That, 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 yeah. Yeah. They're actually into their, they're actually, they're, they're on, they have their own legs. Yeah. That line actually kind of, I took, you know, I was like, oh, wow. Like, very early on where he says, you know, we're halfway into our five-year mission. I was like, oh, cool. They're actually doing this thing. Like, yeah, I really appreciated that. I feel like that put me in the perfect position to really enjoy that story after that. My favorite part of the um, the movie was Jayla. I loved her character. Yeah, was- I, I wanted to see more of her character, and it bums me out because they never bring those characters back. Yeah, yeah. She was the first person that we Googled as soon as the credits rolled. We were like, who was that? Because that was amazing. Yeah, she was she was phenomenal, and I I could watch an entire show about her and her like if they ever wanted to do a prequel about her existing on this planet, yeah, I would watch it because she was my favorite thing about the show, the movie, Joe. Not everything. I, I know you're all about TV shows now. <laughs> sorry, sorry, the movie. Um. All right. Well, we're about an hour in, so I guess that's we're right on track. <laughs> Well, we got a couple of we got a couple of news things that um, we should probably touch on. Some of them, so we, we, two of them, we already did. Yeah. But um, since every time you and I are together, there seems to be new Gambit news. Oh, God, um, right? I clicked on that story the other day as well, not knowing that it was going to be listed on on news for us to cover today. Yes. Well, I just I, just because <sighs> this movie cannot be good at this point. <laughs> like I I truly believe that there is just no going back for this movie. <laughs> It's funny because I feel like this is slightly mirroring um, my experience with Ghostbusters. Where it's <laughs> the longer you have to wait. Well, and it's not even just the wait. It's just like when a movie has this many problems. It's just at the script stage, too. 
Yeah, it's like they've had two directors. They've got a different. Like they're still not finished with the script, and they're worried about tone. You know why, right? Because Gambit no. is a crap character. <laughs> Sorry, everyone that just recoiled from horror. Um, I know, you know, I grew up in the 90s. I get it. I grew up around, you know, Gambit diehards. But is he's just not a good character. And so I, it makes sense that they're having a hard time writing a good story because the characters are the story. And Gambit, really? Like, Gambit's like Wolverine light. Gambit's like pretty Wolverine. That's the reason he was created. But but see, that's the thing. It's like there there shouldn't be a problem with tone because the Gambit movie could be good regardless of whether or not Gambit was in it. You could do, like, Gambit needs to be a heist movie. There's no other movie it could be. Like, if they try and make it anything other than a heist movie, they've done the wrong right, thing. Right, because he's a thief by trade, correct? He's a thief by trade. There's, that is the only thing that they should be doing with this movie. If they do anything other than that, they've done it wrong. But isn't he also kind of, like, Pepe Le Pew-ish? Like, isn't he a, a, a bit, you know, creepy? Creepy guy? Creepy, like, like well, over he, the top? It depends on how he's written. Some people have taken him to the creepy place. Um, I think in the core, he's just kind of that suave. Like, he should be suave. He should be somebody that you're just kind of like, I, he's bad for me. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be involved in him, but, but you know, you know, I mean, it should be, it should be that he's, he's the bad boy. Uh, you know, I feel like, um, you're you're mixing up your Channing Tatum feels uh, <laughs> with this movie. No, because because I honestly like again I've said this before on the show I do not think that Channing Tatum screams Gambit to me. I think Channing Tatum will have an interesting take on Gambit, but there are so many other people that I would have cast before Gambit uh, before Channing just Tatum. To be clear, just to make this clear, of what I'm referencing is that you are a big Channing Tatum fan, correct? Yeah, I am. I am. So I just want to reiterate that, which is why I'm. Which is it, it makes it even more meaningful for you to say that you don't think he's a good choice for this character. Um, no, and I and I think I, like I said in last time we were together, I think he's trying to Deadpool this movie, and uh, and where I feel like Ryan Reynolds was a natural fit for Deadpool. They have the same kind of sense of humor. Like in many ways, Ryan Reynolds just is Deadpool. Yeah. Like it's a it's a good you know fit. I think we, we should do a a Gambit centric. Um, let's make our own Gambit movie over a podcast. Let's cast it. Let's talk about the story elements. I, if if we have to wait another six months for Gambit, we're just gonna do it ourselves. I think I think that's a good idea. I think we should definitely do that. We will we will find a time and we will have an, our gambit episode. Maybe I'll even pull. Maybe it'll be a, a panel episode. Maybe I'll pull in a couple That'd of other uh, people and we'll just sit around and we'll just create. Right now, I want. I'm really interested to hear who your choice for gambit would be. But don't share it now. That's something that that'll be a tease for when we get. Yeah, yeah. I will. I will. I will have to start racking my brain because. <laughs> There's there's a lot of people that I think can pull it off better than uh, one springs to mind instantly, but we will uh, we will save that for another just, day. How do you make this character into a good movie? How do you make that costume look good at all? How do you you just it just no you take off you take off the headpiece and you change the color scheme and then you've got a perfectly good <laughs> character. Like the the costume is nothing but armor. It does not have to have the weird nineties right? head like scarf. random like patterning and like arm like 
chrome in like random places. Just oh, please stop, Gambit. Oh, can, can I just uh, just because I know this is a this is a trigger for you. Um, I don't know if you've been keeping up with your Jay and Miles, but they're starting to get into the nineties, and you know what that means. Okay. <laughs> You know me so well. Um, so the 90s era is part of the reason why I started listening to Jay and Miles, okay? That being said, I have become extremely bogged down in the in the period between, I want to say, like the, the cool, like early, mid-80s stuff and the start of the 90s stuff. I have just become, and it's not Jay and Miles' fault. They do a great podcast, but just... X-Men around that time, and, and I, you know, I apologize if I'm shitting on your, like, pet era from when you were, you know, 12 and started reading X-Men, but I, I just, it's not that interesting, you know, and I... No, there's a lot of stuff that that I am not a fan of in that era. Like, the, they, they spent a really long time on, um, on Inferno, and I didn't care for Inferno. It's just not terribly exciting. So I'm not someone who believes in skipping ahead on the album to the tracks that I like. I'm, I'm, you know, this is the artist me, but I think, no, this is the way they intended it to be listened to, and so this is how I'm going to take it in. Um, you know, which unfortunately for people around me sometimes, but um, that's so, so I'm like, no, I'm not going to skip ahead to the 90s, because then I won't have earned it. <laughs> Yeah, no, and and that's the thing. And but I mean, once you can get through Inferno, they they've just like they've just introduced Jubilee, and they've just started mentioning the first um, uh, issues that Rob Liefeld is drawing. And it's funny because they 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 even make mention of oh, um, it's not as bad as we thought it would be. Oh man, okay. What what ep- do you know off the top of your head? What episode a uh, number they're on? I am I am a little behind, but because then I can do the math and it'll at least give me you know it'll, it'll you'll you'll be able to count yeah, down exactly. Well, I am I am currently on episode one seventeen. Okay, and I think it may be one sixteen where they talk about jubilee. Okay, so I think I think one sixteen is about where you need to be, and I've I've got three episodes left to play. I the one of the worst things about the summer is that I'm not making well, it's one of the best things and one of the worst things. I'm not making my three hour commute every day, but that means I don't have three hours a day to listen to podcasts. Right. So right, right, and one of the cool things about this new job, you know, well, I, I keep calling it new. I'm I'm almost a year in, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> One thing that, you know, is that because I'm nine to five now, Monday through Friday, I actually have like a morning and afternoon commute, which, you know, is unfortunate, mm-hmm. but I, I'm listening to some great podcasts and stuff and catching up on stuff. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I would definitely say, um, going back to what brought us on this tangent in the first place, um, Gambit movie is, is, trying to fix the script before they move forward. They're looking at possibly uh, starting filming at the end of this year, early next. Uh, Now they're running into scheduling problems with Channing Tatum, but um, (laughs) that is, that is where that is. Um, Okay. Uh, I wanted to talk about, um, what'd you think of the Wonder Woman trailer? Um, I wasn't a huge fan and I'm a little concerned. Of the tr- for the trailer? Yeah. What, what alarmed you? Um, 
there were, and I saw it again when we were watching Suicide Squad, and I was trying to see if I was being fair to it. Um, well, that was a different trailer too. That that was a, a condensed version, and I, and I even turned um, to Ceci after that played before Suicide Squad, and I said, "Oh, the Comic Con trailer was way better. That was a different trailer." Yeah. See, I I'm just worried that like the 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 shorter trailer seemed like okay, it's a lot of action, and uh, she seems strong. There felt like there was a lot of pining over Steve Trevor in the first one. That kind of made me wonder if this was going to be the right direction. Right, right. And I apologize to my listeners. I do realize I called him Steve Austin um, <laughs> last last that's week. Sweet. No, it's Steve Trevor. I mean, that's an honest mistake. Um, <laughs> Steve Austin, Steve Rogers, Steve Trevor exactly. is usually the the last one, the last Steve that anybody exactly. ever thinks Steve about. Strange. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. I really like the trailer. I see where you're going with that. I feel like I've developed this um, kind of this take on trailers where I give them a benefit of the doubt because I realize how different a trailer can be from what, you know, we, we end up getting. And, and I realize that the trailer, they're trying to sell it to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, not to excuse it, if that's the direction they take, if, that, if that's a big focus of the film, then yeah, that will definitely be disappointing. Um but I got it, I almost feel like I'm watching a trailer and I realize that they have to check off certain boxes. You know, OK, there's romance. Oh, there's action. Oh, there's, you know, there's funny dialogue. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, and I just I really liked the look of the thing. Of course, going back to the visual aspects. Right. Like I'm such an easy sell. But if it looks cool and if the characters move in the right way and if the action looks like it's thoughtfully, you know, staged and shot or whatnot then I'm on board. And I felt like it had all those things for me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the visual appeal of, you know, having Wonder Woman fighting in, in World War II. You know, that that just looked really cool to me. Yeah, I just I just hope that that's not all it is. I hope it's not all goo-goo eyes at Steve Trevor and then kicking ass. Like, the kicking ass will be cool, but I want her to have more depth because she was a, she was the best thing about Batman versus Superman. I agree. Although people, even people that pointed that out, would also say, uh, kind of slight as a character, but still the coolest thing. You know? Yeah. Um. Oh man, <laughs> I don't want to put those two and two together. There does not sound good going forward, does it? Um. No, it really does. Like I'm just so worried. But I'm, I don't know why I should be worried at this point because as I think we're gonna discuss a little later, um, uh, DC's not on my happy list yeah mine either at all actually i kind of feel bad for them which I, as bad as you can feel for a multi-billion dollar company but anyway um, <laughs> um quickly uh jla trailer did you see that i did i felt a little bit better about that i think i'm gonna like the new flash um i know a lot of people are annoyed by him but i think it's kind of fun to have a little bit of a socially awkward I agree. Yeah, I'm with you on that. The characterization so far, I'm fine with. Um, the the costume leaves a bit to be desired. Um, I feel like they just busied up a, a costume that did not need it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that as well. Um, it's really interesting to see, to watch as this giant studio tries to like course correct almost like in real time. Like I feel like with every bit of you know trailer film you know any type of media that comes out 
you you're you, it's like we're watching them uh <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't even say like fix it, but just they're just I feel like they're just throwing darts at a board at this point. Yeah, and and I'm hoping that with the the change um away from Zack Schneider, um that they're they're going to be able to move move a little quicker towards the bullseye, but I I'm afraid that they've they've got a l- much larger course correction and I don't know how long that's going to take. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh, on while we're on the the topic of of DC film news um you, we we talked about Comic-Con earlier did you happen to hear any of the or catch any of the um controversy about the killing joke animated film as it was coming out yeah and we talked a little about about it a little bit last week but um the the my understanding was is the the stuff that they added to make it a feature length was all Batgirl centric and she had a sex scene with Batman, yeah. which is just not like I I feel like by saying not okay it makes me sound like one of those people that is like, you know, she should be in the Bat Cave cooking dinner for Batman. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that is not the relationship and it it cheapens the character as as her history goes. Yeah, I agree with you. And I don't I don't even know how saying that would translate to, you know, <laughs> she needs to be in the back cave. Someone came at you with that? No, but I don't want I don't want it when I as I as I was hearing it come out of my mouth, I'm like I don't want this to be taken as because she is sleeping with somebody, oh, it's right, wrong. Right, right. You know, because there's that whole idea that guys can sleep around with anybody right. and it's no big deal, go you. Right. But when women do it it's scenes, which no, no, not at all. It's like her her character does not have that relationship with Batman. And then my understanding is because I have not seen it, and I have no interest in seeing it from based on what I've heard. Yeah. But my understanding is is that she then pines for him and waits for him to call her. And I'm like, oh my god, you just you, uh, you're what are you doing, yeah, DC? Yeah. This is exactly the type of stuff that we're trying to move away from as a geek society, and you're just throwing it right back. I heard the panel at Comic Con got got kind of uh, awkward as well. Um, people were voicing their concerns over what you're talking about. And I, some of the people that were there, you know, creatively, um, I guess, uh, responsible for, you know, this, this movie started to, you know, try to defend their work. And, and I heard it got a bit nasty. Um, but yeah, that, that really makes me wonder who thought that was a good idea, (laughs) which clearly many people did, Uh, you know, as many people as our, as our, um, um, connected to making something like this, it just sounds like a huge bummer. Like, like if the Killing Joke isn't already, you know, big enough bummer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's not a it's not a happy story. Right. But 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 give it that. And, and I know we we talked about this again last week. But um, my understanding was a lot of people were very upset after the Killing Joke happened because they were like, you took one of our our female superheroes out of canon now because they you know she's now paralyzed what are we going to do with her this sucks and there was a rejuvenation for her when she became oracle and now you've taken the strong character and made her you know she's overcoming adversity and and you're giving her something to do and that's awesome and i feel like making her pine after batman just removes that strength Yeah, totally huh well, it's it's an odd misstep, I feel like, for DC Animated, because usually their stuff is really great. 
Well, and that's what concerns me about about DC right now is I feel like there's a lot of missteps and like one or two missteps is one thing, but I feel like they're just heading in the wrong direction altogether. Mm. Which I think is is a good segue into our <laughs> our topic of the of the day, but before we do, we have a special event coming up where we are actually both going to be on a panel. Yeah, my first panel ever. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for you to meet all the all the other people. I think you and uh, and some of the guys are are going to really hit it off because um, we're we're all a bunch of big nerds. <laughs> but uh, for those of us who uh, for those of you who are interested in in seeing us live, um, we are going to be at NerdCon in Escondido on Sunday, August 28th. We have two panels. We have a 10 o'clock and 11:30. Ray, you're going to be on the 11:30 panel with us. We're going to talk about being, uh, being better fans. Mm, good, you know, not not walking up and and biting uh, Norman Reedus when you meet him in person. <laughs> these are these are things we do not. You do. mean better fans by buying all the stuff we can, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and possibly, um, you know, when you're at a Batman panel, uh, talking about the Killing Joke, not attacking the people. But trying to uh, voice your opinions in a way that is measured and uh, respectful. Yeah, yeah, I think respectful is the uh, key word there. Yes. So that is at 11:30. At 10 o'clock, if you are willing to shell out uh, a little bit of extra money for the VIP pass and get in to see us at 10, we would love to see you there. Um, we understand if you can only make the second one, but uh, we were going to hopefully have some uh, raffles and giveaways that were. were gathering up to uh, sweeten the deal for those of you who are willing to pay a little bit extra to come see us at 10 o'clock because when we, we originally booked this, we did not realize that we were, we were VIP-only uh, panel at 10. Ooh. Yeah. Cool. I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of... A lot of geeking out and a lot of a lot of opinions because you know Ray and I do not have uh, a shortage as far as sex. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So Suicide Squad. Um, we I've I left the outline from our previous shows. I don't know how much of it um, applies. Oh man. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> the 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 good. Let's let's start on a positive note. We'll we'll, we'll sandwich it positive and um, and we'll end on positive. What was your um? What was your immediate kind of take? Was it overall good, or would you say it was overall bad? I saw it with a 13 year old. Okay. And he enjoyed it immensely. Okay. And he said, I don't know why people say it's such a bad movie. I thought it was great. And I said, it was fun. It wasn't great. Okay. Do you think it was... And I think that basically sums it up Do you think me. it was a good movie? I don't. I don't think it was a, a well-done movie. Okay. Um, same here. How about same you? here. Um, the reason why I asked about your overall take is because I found that mine... Uh, my take transformed over the course of watching it. Um, I feel like it started off a little in, in kind of a clunky manner, but it mm -hmm. hit its stride at a certain point, and I was like on board saying, okay, I can deal with the missteps. Um, this mm -hmm. has good energy. And it just went downhill from <laughs> from there. And, and it kind of got, you know, harder to to pick out the, the, the good stuff as it went along 
And then I have to be honest, the the th- whole third act just completely lost me. It, I feel like it really flew off the rails in the third act. Yeah, there was not a lot of consistency in character as far as I was concerned in the third act. Yeah, there was not a lot of consistency in anything, I feel like. Story, tone, character, like you said, um, dialogue even. I mean, it was really choppy, I feel like. Um, so be, before we get into it, as you said, the good for me, um, I felt like this is one of those, those instances where, and this might be one of the reasons why I had such a visceral kind of, you know, negative reaction to it as I was walking out is I feel like they, this is a really oddball kind of, um, um, subject or, or, or story to tell. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they got the right filmmaker for it. You know, um, I'm not a huge fan of David Ayer's other films, but I'm aware of them. I've seen most of them. And, you know, I, I, I get what he what he's doing and what he does, and, and I think he does his thing well. Um, and mm-hmm. so I felt, okay, you know, Suicide Squad on its own, I don't know. David Ayer on his own, I don't know. But those two things together, that feels like a good match. And I think that informed a lot of my expectations going in. And so the grittiness that, like I said, once it's hit its stride, I feel like there was a a good grit to it. It was a a street-level superhero film, which I felt is, you know, not very common still. I mean, Daredevil is definitely doing a great example of that on Netflix. Um, Absolutely. And so I I went in thinking David Ayer doing, you know, he does street-level drama and crime this is perfect. And so I liked the, the grit, what, what there, you know, what grit there was. Um, the attitudes of, of the characters and the story overall, I feel like, you know, um, the second act heading in, you know, from first act to second act, I felt was they, they were nailing it. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it felt somewhat irreverent. But, it, you know, I mean, I know that that word gets used a lot, but I feel like in this case, it was applicable. Like, yeah, this is this. This feels in the right way. Like it feels like it's the right take on these characters and these characters are reacting in a way that you would expect, you know, a bunch of villains, you know, street level villains to, to, to act in. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would say that, that, that is my, that is my good is I liked, like I had fun watching the characters. Yeah. I had fun. I, I loved Margot Robbie's. Same here. Um, uh, Harlequin. I thought she was, Dead on for most yeah, of it. I thought she was but there was an inconsistency, and there was parts where she felt like she got pulled out, and it's not because Margot Robbie wasn't doing a good job at that point. It was a, what she was working with was so yes, awkward. Yes, I agree. And I also think that um, Will Smith did a good job, too. I feel like, um, I mean, I'm not a huge Will Smith fan, but I get why he's a movie star, and I feel like this mm-hmm. film was a perfect example of that. You put Will Smith in something, and he's going to elevate it just because, just through his own charisma, and I feel mm-hmm. like he did the best he could with this character and, and the writing that was given to him. Um, still not, you know, a great character, I feel like, as it existed on the screen, um, but he injected, like, he just, he, he sold it, you know? Yeah, they were they were honestly the only two things about the movie that I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I felt a little less invested in Jared Leto's the the Joker. Yeah. 
Um, I thought it was an interesting take. I liked the the best moments were between Margot Robbie and Jared Leto. Like those were for me some of the best Joker moments. The Joker on his own, I I couldn't care less about. Right. I actually really liked um, this take on the Joker. Uh, I mm-hmm. did feel it was a bit ham fisted at times and over the top. You know, I feel like he hit just enough of a, a, a minor note at times to to make the the major notes you know um worth it or or stand out but just mm-hmm. barely there was there was it was on the verge of being too much like we get it like he's crazy you know like there needs to be the quiet in order to make the loud feel more loud and more special and yeah he didn't have a lot of the intense oh, oh, he didn't turn like you never really saw i think that's the scariest thing about like a good joker yeah. Like is like laughing and happy, and all of a sudden you see that sh- that turn, and you're like, oh yeah. Crap. So there is, uh, you know, this is gonna be obviously, you know, by now if you've been listening, heavily spoiled uh, review. Um, I will say that the one moment in the film that I kind of got that sense from this Joker was when he sits on that guy's lap, uh, mm-hmm. when they have him tied up, and he sits down, and he gets really close. It, he felt like a shark, like in that moment, you know, where you're like, mm-hmm. you know that you're around, you know, something that is not safe and you're just waiting for it to, to snap because it will. I feel like mm-hmm. we touched on it there. I actually wanted to see more of this Joker. I, I was I, I felt like if we were given more time with the character, it would have those those other notes, more interesting notes would have come. We just didn't get a chance to see it. Right. I would agree, and I did like I did like the homage to Alex Ross's uh, famous Joker Harlequin yeah, cover. Yeah. I thought that was a fun little a fun little moment that you know I think the geeks appreciate. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, I th- and I think honestly, I mean, for what these characters are were, I don't know. I feel like you know the casting was in some ways really good with you know Margot Robbie. I feel like, and then in in some cases, just like what were they thinking? Um. Well, and that that brings me to the thing that I disliked probably some of them the most. Um, I'll get to my absolute least moment, least favorite moment in the entire movie in a second. But we could have taken out half the cast, and it would have been a perfectly fine yeah, movie. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, there, there was an, as much as I love. Um, I don't. I've never know if it's Jai or Jay Courtney, but um, I like him and others. He's. I think a a decent actor in really bad films. <laughs> what was the point of that character, though? There was no point. He literally did like he didn't even he didn't have any he didn't even have any good boomerang no, shots. Like there was no point in that character being there, was there at no all. No arc whatsoever. There was nothing. No. no. Um. No. I was I was very bummed about that because because I like the actor and um, what, is, what else has he been in? Nothing good. <laughs> Nothing good. Like I, he was in the latest. Um, he played uh, Bruce Willis's character in oh, the Die Hard. Oh, that's movie. right. He plays his son the in quite possibly Die Hard. the worst Die Hard uh, movie ever. I, like where you're sitting, going, "I want to enjoy this," though. But he he saved that movie for me because I was like, "Well, he's pretty. I'll just look at him." <laughs> And that will make it oh, better. Oh man, yeah. I don't. I mean, uh, uh, where where to start with the bad? Um, 
So I wrote, I take down notes before we start recording, right? It's just so I have some things mm-hmm. I want to touch on. And for the good, you know, I have a, a list, you know, there's the gritty attitude, the irreverent style, you know, Margot Robbie, Will Smith, blah, blah, blah. For the bad, <laughs> the first four things I listed for bad are editing, pacing, writing, tone. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I feel like um, this movie was not a David Ayer movie. And I don't think that this is just my take now. I don't think that it was allowed to be a David Ayer movie, which is so tragic for coming from my perspective as a fan, because they got the right person for the right material. Like they figured it Mm -hmm. out and then they didn't let it do what it was supposed to do. You know, Um, it really felt like the editing was a clear indicator that they switched stuff around like really heavily. Um, and I, and I read an article this morning about supposed, um, cuts, like scenes that were cut and how like there, a lot of it was based on stuff that we've seen in promotional materials that did not come, you know, happen in the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. and then some of it is just, you know, different script changes and whatnot. But, um, you know, obviously everyone's aware that there was a, a bunch of reshoots done and it, you could just tell they were, they were really choppy sequences where someone would be you know not in a scene and then suddenly walk into a scene or you know someone you know was standing talking to somebody else and the next time we saw them they were you know going into battle guns blazing and you're like wait what like where where did they get the guns from and weren't they like it was just jarring sometimes the editing was just so jarring and I feel like that's a sign of you know, trying to to rework the story in the editing room as opposed to at, at the script stage. Right. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And uh, it's not it's not as wholesale as something like plot or editing. But the very first time that I was out of the movie and I was just like, uh, no. Um. And and it's this is one of those geek things where you're probably going to go really <laughs> that that bothered you. I had a problem with Batman arresting um, Deadshot in front of his daughter. You know, that's Batman wouldn't do that. (laughs) And, and it was that moment of, this is a horrible story plot point that you're trying to force in. Yeah. It was really ham-fisted. And now we're going to, we're going to, you know, there's been rumors about having a, um, a Deadshot movie Mm. and, it's going to all be this revenge against Batman for arresting him over in front of his daughter and which would have never happened. Like it's, it's, it's going to be an entire movie based on a flawed premise. That's like the whole DC slate of films. I feel like (laughs) it really, it really is. It's like, if you're not going to take time to get the character and, and that for some people that you might be saying, Oh my God, get over it, Joe. It's just such a minor thing, but it's not because that's such a, that's, that's such a defining characteristic of, of the Batman character. Just like a lot of people were really upset about him using guns in the, um, in Batman versus Superman. It, it's like, those are core values to the character. Right. And when you take that out, it, it loses credibility for the rest of the film. I'm no longer invested because that wouldn't have happened. And if that wouldn't have happened, the rest of it doesn't. And, you know, I feel like um, I understand the backlash to people, you know, ragging on these DC films. I know there's a lot of DC fanboys out there trying to stick up for their beloved characters. And I get it. Um, But 
this is another example of where Marvel understands their characters and is they understand that if they don't get their character right in their own film, then they've lost everything. And DC yeah. just doesn't it's it's more about the moments or it's more about getting the film out there than it is about understanding the characters at their core. Yeah, and I and I I, I feel bad for people who um feel like we're just bashing on on DC because I don't think I, I I think people who are like, oh well you just like Marvel and that's not the point. Well first of all I know Ray you're a huge DC yeah, fan. Yeah, I want to love every single DC film that comes out. I go into every film despite how I feel or or how I, I feel about Suicide Squad. I am so looking forward to Wonder Woman and I am so looking forward to Justice League because I'm a huge fan of these characters and I want them to get them right. But I'm not, you know, above calling it out when they don't get them right. You know what I mean? Well, and I think that that's why we we call them out so often is because we're so – we're disappointed. Like we want them to be good and when they're not doing it right and they're so obviously not doing it right that – that that's what like we're 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 speaking out about it because we're frustrated and because we do care about these properties and we do want these movies to be amazing and they're just not they're not doing it. I mean, and there's no reason. And where they're missing the mark, there's no reason for them to be missing. Right that. off the bat, the movie started and I felt like it was very clunky storytelling because they just listed each character and just like listed their like their stats and then did like a little thing. No really, no setup really happened before that. And I thought, oh, this is lazy storytelling. Like, there's, there, you know, a, a strong script would find a way to work this information into the course of the story. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but okay, that's, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a, a, a stickler when it comes to structure and stuff like that. And, you know, so I, this is one way to do it. And I'm sure there are plenty of people that find no problem with this. So that's fine. You know, we'll take this in stride. Um, but even with even with the way they did do it, they did it backwards. They did they did Deadshot first and Harlequin second, and then it, it, it was like the old Gilligan's Island intro and the rest. <laughs> yeah, totally. You're right because that okay. So that was the first sign of like jarring like storytelling and like jarring pacing because. As they went on, I mean, you could tell right away it was like, oh, these are the stars of this film. Because as it went mm-hmm. on, it got the storytelling or the character bios got less and, you know, shorter and shorter. And then some of the characters didn't even get a bio. <laughs> no, well, and then, I mean, it's kind of like, like I knew going, I knew before I bought my ticket that there was going to be one character whose head got blown off to yeah. stress to the other characters that that was, uh, <laughs> like, like, that that was a a, a possibility yeah, for sure. There's this the red shirt. Yeah, there was definitely going to be a red shirt. I was hoping. I knew that they wouldn't, but I was hoping that they were going to pick somebody that you had already invested yes, exactly. in. Exactly, it's such a basic. So that you didn't see it coming. God, that's such a basic storytelling like tool. No, instead it's it's like literally a, a, before they start, a car drives up and. <laughs> Just throw them out of the car. They're like, here's, oh yeah, yeah, here's this person. And what is his power? He climbs things. <laughs> oh my god. That didn't help him, did it? Because his head blew up while he was no. climbing something. 
Oh my god. It's like <laughs> like I saw I mean you knew. You knew as soon as they threw him out of the car. We we know nothing about this character. He's the one whose head's going to And then blow even up. um Katana, is that her name? I'm sorry if I messed that up. No, it is, but there's no point for her. No, she shows up, she climbs onto the airplane and Rick Flag is like, "Oh yeah, she's got my back." Like <laughs> what? then why do we have explosives in like our necks if like she's got your back and just there was so there were so many choices like that so many things where I was like wait that doesn't make any sense and you would think I feel like what happened was DC this this film was not supposed to be the linchpin film that it, it was supposed to be an oddity where you know, Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, you know, upcoming Wonder Woman. Like, those are the things, those are the films that were going to be the main pillars of this universe, cinematic universe. And then we were going to get little oddball stories like, you know, Suicide Squad. And instead, because of what happened with Batman versus Superman and the controversy or whatnot, the lukewarm reception, um, now Suicide Squad became, like, much more important to Warner Brothers in D.C., and you could see that in the way they treated the story. You could see them going back in and trying to retool and make it seem much bigger. I mean, don't even get me started on the third act right now because I won't – I mean, that I, there's a couple things I want to talk about before then, but um, – you just you just saw how bad the storytelling became once they tried to force it to be something that it's not ever intended to be. Yeah, because it was. I think if they'd left it alone, it probably would have been the recovery film that they were hoping it was going to yeah. be. You know, where they're like, okay, well, they're 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 missing the mark on on the the big films, but this gives us hope that they're moving in the right direction. They just needed to get their legs, but it's still trying to to strong arm everything that they do into this mold that is not, it's not a good mold. We're watching a giant movie studio have a panic attack. Like it, like as, (laughs) as we go with each film, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're second guessing themselves now. They're not, they had the perfect, you know, artist or auteur connected to the perfect material and they couldn't just leave it alone and, and be what it should be. They, they, they couldn't help but go back in and tinker for no reason other than that they were nervous. You know, you have, you have too many too many people trying to take control and nobody willing to just say, you know what, I, we've we've got to we've got to have confidence that we've made the right decisions up until now. Putting these people with these properties, let them do their job, and let's see how they go. But I, something tells me that that group of executives they 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 have control issues. So. While they're hyperventilating into the the next paper bag, they're making decisions that are not helping exactly. anybody. Exactly, and and let me tell you, there there were problems that this movie was going to have regardless, and and I'll point out a couple mm-hmm. of those. But but because you try to turn it into this big mega thing, now those those problems that would have been you know minor or or at least um whatever, like taken as part of the whole, you know, in a, in a smaller story now are even magnified. Um, for instance, like the whole character of Enchantress, like, what was that? Like, why was that? I mean, yeah. don't, you know, completely skipping over the whole thing of like this, you know, beautiful, like European, like, you know, uh, uh, and when I say beautiful, I mean like, you know, um, widely accepted, like standards of beauty type, you know, um, gets, 
possessed by this what is supposed to be some kind of in, indigenous native deity, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. have you know this this character or the, this actress that is like not right for the character really, and kind of like I would say borderline like offensive, <laughs> you know? Well, she just like she didn't have the grit. I mean, forget about about ethnicity or anything else. She just she didn't have the the exactly. edge. Sidestepping, you know, those issues, she was not that that was not right for this story at all. Um, uh-uh. And and so going into the whole, you know, the third act with the the glowing doodad, of course, you know, it just didn't feel like these are all characters that like shoot guns and bite people, like and carry bats. Like, who thought it was a good idea? to have the the world the existence of our planet like hinge on this story. This is not that type of story. No. These are not those no, characters. I, I really didn't even get what she was doing. <laughs> she was building a machine that was going to take over this world for her and her brother. I I got that. How? The I, they didn't explain the machine. They didn't explain what it was doing or how it was going to, you know, how it was going and and she's a witch. Um, why does she need a machine? Like to me, just that that basically. And then she cast a spell to create this machine. Um, why doesn't she just cast a spell? Because right. she's a witch. And how did and how did she get away in the first place? If if they had her heart and that was what was supposedly keeping her in control. Oh, because she found another talisman of some sort that contained her brother. She unleashed him, and he gave her power. Meanwhile, she she got her heart back. It was very confusing. What? Like, yeah, it just and then that I mean that whole last scene with the like dramatic slow motion and like over the top music, uh, sound or score, and like just uh, I don't know, like shooting a gun in slow motion. Like that's what like saved the world was that they shot a bullet at a bomb, and that destroyed the witchcraft machine yeah yeah well and and, like and and margot robbie and again i apologize for you know we are we are spoiling so there you go um margot robbie stepping up and you know like you could see a mile away what was going to happen like it was there was no surprise and it has nothing to do with margot robbie's performance i think she did an excellent job her line delivery was phenomenal yeah, her facial tics were great like oh it was just like yeah she was she was like i think in that moment she was probably the most harlequin she was in the entire yeah. movie yeah um but it was like i just didn't care because i saw it coming a mile away i wanted to be like if if somebody else's head blew off <laughs> in in act two if if something strange happened that we didn't expect to happen right surprised us right i would have been oh my god did you just see that but everything was so by the book and predictable right that's not what they that, sold this film at as at all no this this is a movie that should not have been predictable at all. It should have we 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 should have walked out going what the fuck was that, <laughs> and and been okay with it. Like been like this was the most bizarre thing I have ever seen, and I kind of want to see something else yeah, like it. Totally, which honestly is how I felt walking out of Deadpool. Yes, yes, where you're just like you just could not be not happy because. Yeah. 
that thing you saw, you didn't necessarily understand why it was causing that reaction, yeah. but you just got that you had seen something that had really never I been done. I think they try to have it both ways. They try to have that feeling, but um, they also wanted the big movie star moments and the big, you know, dramatic, over-the-top, really, really, really serious endings. Like, how many endings were there where you think someone's dead and no, they're not, and then, like, someone else... Oh my God, I burst out laughing when um, Amanda uh, Waller walks out with holding the, the contraption that still has bombs, like a de- like the detonation thing. Like, I'm like, wait, wasn't she just underwater with like a, an, like a witch tentacle, like in her brain, like stealing yeah. secrets? Like, how is she, like, where did she get that iPhone from that like <laughs> control like all these people? Like, can, can you, okay. Do you do you know the character Amanda Waller? Because again, I'm not a DC person. Yeah. Are you are you at all informed or invested in Amanda Waller? Um, yes, she's actually a pretty cool character in the comics, and I and she's she's kind of like people. You know, the the easiest comparison is to say, oh, she's the Nick Fury. Not really, because Nick Fury um, has morals, <laughs> and mm-hmm. Amanda Waller does not. She's you know she's like the ultimate like unforgiving like cold cruel, heartless, badass. She's, uh, as, as my friend uh, Matt, you know, described her to me last night, um, she's the only character in the, you know, DC, in DC comics that can intimidate Batman. You know, that's who she is in the comics. And so I get it. And I appreciate that take on that type of, you know, government character, whatever. Um, God damn, they had such a good opportunity <laughs> it's just like the the moment that she got sucked into the uh, machinations of, of of the story where she became she was in she was captured and she was in danger and she was upside down underwater. Like I thought, oh no! Like they just ruined that character. Like there's certain, you know, there's <laughs> certain story points or whatever that you do not put certain characters through because it takes away from what they're bringing to the story. And they just completely right. erased like whatever badass cred that they had worked to give her the first half of the film. They just gave it, they just squandered it completely. Yeah. And, and uh, I got two issues with Amanda Waller. Um, one is, is my experience with her is only in this movie and in um, the CW shows okay. in which they have basically killed her off because spoilers spoilers um because um my understanding is Zack Schneider didn't want them playing with his toys God. they really um, do want to be just like in, Marvel don't they yeah seriously in 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 the CW she is i think like she always walks that line where she is trying to do the right thing, but she is just an evil person. Like you get that that feeling of I really don't like you. I get that in some twisted way you think you're doing the right yeah. thing. I did not get that from this Amanda Waller. Right. And Viola Davis is a phenomenal yeah. actress, and I think she was a good choice yeah, for the role. Seriously. But if you have you watched um, How to Get Away with Murder? Yeah, I've seen a few episodes of that. Okay, so like the characters are very similar, where she is doing what she feels is right, even though she knows everything she is doing is wrong, 
And I feel like that didn't come out in the character. I felt like there was not enough manipul like she tr- she tried to brute force it and didn't try man- to manipulate enough. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. And it's I feel like it comes back to the clunky storytelling. It's yeah, yeah they didn't earn any of the moments that they tried for in the second half of the film, like none of it. Um, and I and I've got to say beyond all this, um, kind of like as an extra added layer of icing, I felt like it was a really misogynistic movie overall. <laughs> I feel like there was a lot of, um, you know, the, the most of the female characters were in. Uh, like the 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 witch goddess was in a bikini, right? Um, movie, mm-hmm. um, you know, Harlequin's obvious, you know, change of of costume and, and choice of costume. Um, and it's one thing to just kind of do that for you know the sake of of or or, or say the character is incorporating that in some empowering way, but to, it it just felt more like they didn't even bother with um any sort of. Um, justification beyond the male gaze being, you know, the the point of it. Um, and right. how many women were punched in the face in this? In this it, was, <laughs> it felt like it was like a point of the film. At, at, at I don't know, a certain part of the film, it was like, I think someone even threatens to like punch someone else, like punch another, like they just violence, like it, it just felt so unnecessary and so gratuitous. Yeah, and I don't I don't know how to resolve that with the Harlequin character because the Harlequin character is really very much like she's in love with the Joker and that's her shtick. Right. But it's weird how they do it because she's very empowered by that. Like he manipulates her, but she'll switch on him real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there's there's a power and an agency to exa- that. And you know what? I was just gonna say the best. Uh, Harley and Joker scenes show that and earn that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, it's it's woven into their interactions as, as characters, right? And their relationship. And so when she does bite back, it's like meaningful. And he's like, "Whoa, like I pushed too far, or whatever." Um, yeah, and she and 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 you get the feeling for like a good Harlequin, you get the feeling that the Joker is a little bit afraid of her. Right. Right. Um. So one of the things that uh, I, I said earlier that I, I um, read this article this morning that talked about a lot, a number of the deleted scenes or, or scenes that were cut or, or taken out, and a bunch of it was more interaction with them two, and it mm-hmm. really shows you how um, dysfunctional and like abusive and like poisonous their relationship is, and and I think one of the things that DC tried to do or Warner Brothers rather before the film's release is they try to soften that and make it seem more uh funny and fun as as a toxic relationship rather than like you know really um pathological <laughs> you know well and it should be it, the, it should be pathological but it should be on equal footing like there should be enough give and take where like you can't say wow the joker's abusive or you can't say, wow, Harley Quinn is abusive. Like, they should just be in a functionally dysfunctional relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just just, I'll, just keeping in mind some of what was changed or some of what was left out, you realize, like, they really didn't know what this movie was as they were making it. 
You know, mm-hmm. they they didn't know they they were making big major choices about this film like right up until it was released. I I feel like this should have been a character piece that had a B plot of whatever they had to whatever their mission was. I mean, yeah, let's I'll take your example from earlier on. If this was a heist movie, that would have been great. Yes. Oh my god, it would have been because then it would have then it would have made sense as to why they were being used. Like we're you know, we have to steal this thing because we don't even think the government should have it. So we're going to go and we're going to steal this piece of alien technology or whatever it happens to be. And then and then all of a sudden it makes sense for this group of people to go in and do this. Yeah, thing. yeah, exactly. Um, it needed to be a a man. See, this just kills me. This is probably why I really, really dislike it. I mean, I'm not kidding, Joe. I've never walked out of a film before, but like halfway through that whole like bizarre cosmic ending i was looking around going like uh how much like i can't cringe any harder my face is gonna get stuck like this um, <laughs> we done yet yeah, no, <laughs> we done yet really, i got to that point really um the only other movie that i've ever come close to walking out of was um <laughs> a Zack snyder film actually um what was that film that he did with uh, those all those women um, psychiatric patients that were warriors in in some dream world. Um, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I did not go see that. That was really bad. Uh, and and this one just lost me so hard by the end of it. Um, it's just really it, it's it really gets me when something has every ingredient needed to be good and it's not. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, case in point, and, and I keep going back to this because I feel like I agree with you in that the interactions between Harley and Joker were like some of the best stuff in, in the, mm-hmm. by far. Almost were like, man, this film didn't deserve that interaction and that chemistry and those, you know, you know what I mean? Like those takes on those right. characters. Um, you know the scene where um, they're escaping in the helicopter mm-hmm. and uh, he pushes her out, right? Originally... Mm-hmm. Uh, he was pushing her out to save himself, to, to, to kill her. And they tried to change it to soften that, right? To make the Joker seem more sympathetic. Which, if you're doing that in your film with the Joker in it, you're, you're already starting from a, from a bad place. You, you don't understand the yeah, character. Yeah, exactly. You don't understand the character. Like, she should be all about him. And then very angry when he doesn't reciprocate. Yeah. And he should be all about himself. Yes. And be very concerned when she's not falling for it or, or falling or, for yeah, it. Yeah. Or something. Like that. And that's the basis of the dynamic. And it's it it is a messed up relationship. Yeah. But it's when done correctly, it is so phenomenal to watch. And so I just I feel like I feel like they they grazed it. They got they got there in moments, but yeah, a moment like that completely like he's not going after he should not be going after Harley Quinn because he loves her. He he's going after Harley Quinn because 
they took something of his. Right, right. It's exactly. And you know what? That's what I thought. <laughs> it, it, it seemed like if that's where they were going with that at the beginning of that whole, you know, plot point, you know, when it's it's this is mine. And how dare you do this to me? Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Care about her in that way. You know what I mean? And And so. Yeah, they, this is what I'm talking about. It was just, it, it had me on board. It had me on board through the second act. And then it just went so off the rails. I, I couldn't believe what I was watching, honestly, half the time. Um, God, I didn't even get into the whole Diablo character. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a whole other thing where, funny because David Ayer's like, fingerprints are all over that character. Because if you know his other films, you know, he's done End of Watch with Jake Gyllenhaal. And he's done... Um, uh, hard times with Christian Bale, and he very much works in the whole like you know LAPD, um, LA crime like street like you know level like stories like he. Mm-hmm. So so that character for sure was like a David Ayer like you know, uh, um, I don't know pet project I feel like, but just felt out of place and and cheap in a lot of ways. Or, at, you know, I was trying to balance the, like, oh, cool, like, they're representing this thing, you know what I mean? That, mm-hmm. And so I I wanted to appreciate it for that, but just the way it all played out, it's like this film just squandered a lot of, you know, I feel like good intentions, you know? Yeah, it was, it was a very hollow character. Like, it, it was a, a hollow character trying to be deep, <laughs> and it could have been deep, and it wasn't, it just wasn't. Exactly, yeah. And then, of course, like, it really made me laugh when he's like, you know, spent the whole first half of the movie saying like, you know, no, I took this, I've taken this vow and I'm not going to do. And I was like, wow, that's an interesting take on this character. You know, like mm-hmm. that means that when inevitably he does use his powers, it's going to be like, it's going to be a cool, like huge payoff. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be unexpected mm-hmm. and it's going to be great, but you know that it's going to come to that, obviously. And right. instead, it's like halfway through the film, like in this like whatever scene, another pointless like battle that's like not really uh, an obstacle, you know. Um, Will Smith yells at him a bit, and he like just chucks all of that out of the window, like, and he's just like, okay, I'm gonna like start using my fire now. Well, and and, and here's I don't know if it's a special effects thing, I don't know if it's an uh, um, an editing thing, but he like he blasts everybody with the fire. But you don't see anybody get lit on fire. <laughs> right. Like, like it doesn't make any sense. It's like, <laughs> what? He just uses power and now things are on fire, but you haven't shown us yeah. what the effects of that is. And the exact same thing is, is like, you see Captain Boomerang make a throwing the boomerang motion, but you don't see the boomerang go anywhere. <laughs> it doesn't do anything the only time he actually uses a boomerang to any sort of of um usefulness is when he uses it as like a spy drone for for reconnaissance purposes that they don't even and they need. didn't show they didn't like set that up either like out of nowhere he's got this technology in his pocket i mean it makes no sense it's like okay i don't know about you but when I was a kid, like boomerangs seemed like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and they should be. They should have that like childlike wonder that if you're gonna throw this boomerang, like not even once did it he throw the boomerang and the person forget about it. Like at least they didn't use that trope. Oh, right. But I wanted them to and, use and that it trope. Comes back and, like, hits and it comes back at them. <laughs> like they never he never freaking threw a boomerang. <laughs> 
why was he in this movie? You know what? They they just wanted this film to be too many things because they wanted they they wanted that PG rating, right? That PG thirteen rating, which explains why they uh you know had all these like foot soldiers that were like these weird like globs of like eyeballs or whatever, and like they got killed but didn't really like we didn't see them ever really like we didn't see blood or anything, you know? Um, like Killer Croc, what does he do? He he should be tearing people apart. Right. When did we see that? Never. No. We never saw that. I don't even think he ate the slab of meat they threw at him. Like, I don't like... He did nothing in this movie. Okay, so get this. So one of the deleted scenes apparently was him right before they take off on the mission. He starts to get sick and he actually regurgitates part of a goat that they fed him. And then uh-huh. in front of everybody, he eats it again. That's kind of so awesome. that would have been one of those things that would have contributed to that feeling that you said of walking out of the theater going, what the fuck did I just see? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, okay, when when we've talked about – I think you and I have talked about the Deadpool effect and how everybody needs to make everything rated R now because that was so successful. And obviously it was so successful because it was rated R. Right. Um. And if you didn't get the sar- – listeners, if you didn't get the sarcasm and you haven't heard me talk about that before, then <laughs> I'm, I'm being sarcastic. That's not the point of the – you know, they've missed the point of Deadpool. But this is a movie that should have been rated R. Yeah, absolutely. There's no excuse for this movie not to be yes, rated R. agreed. Totally. This was – again, they ha- and David Ayer's films are gleefully rated R films. I'm telling you, this had all the ingredients – and it, 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 oh, yeah, this is just – I'm getting so worked up. Um, <laughs> well, that's kind of the fun thing about talking to you about these movies because I, I, I go into the, the, um, the, the, the kind of the – you know, breaking it down with just – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay level. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and we just, we just kind of keep amping each other up. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like before we, we start wrapping things up, I should, I should make mention that uh, our friend Sean Daly, uh, who, who is a big DC fan, um, did text us this morning when, when you posted that you did not like the did movie. Did he text you as well? Oh, yeah. No, I got it. <laughs> Yeah, I got a full text message from him um, basically saying that you were wrong. And, and, um, I'm trying to pull up my – I maybe have to do it on my phone. But um, I, I want to point out what he said because I think what he said is very telling and kind of kills his uh, argument. But he says, you need a counterpoint. I liked it. A troubled love story exploring the motivations – and complex emotions of several characters, if anything, too ambitious, but doesn't stink. Um, uh, a complex love story. That's a... There, 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 we just spent a lot of time talking about how it's not a love yeah, story. Yeah, and it shouldn't be a love story. And it shouldn't story. be. And when he texted me, he said it was a decent movie. Decent is not strong endorsement. Yeah, I think, I think Sean is... is you know, not letting on or not willing to to embrace. Sean, I, I'm saying this. I am saying this with utmost respect. I feel you are taking the Gretchen Wiener approach, <laughs> and that wanting these films to be good is like trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Totally, that's perfect. 
And I apologize to anybody that I have offended with that, but that's kind of where I am with the DC films. Like, I'm going to watch Wonder Woman, I'm going to watch Justice League, and I, I dream of the day that I can get on Skype with you, Ray, and say, okay, finally they did it yeah. right. Oh, I can't wait for that. Are you kidding? But it's not happening anytime. Oh, no, it doesn't look like it, does it? I don't know. No, no I will say, to, to, to credit Sean... Um, he did mention something that I think might be an important point going forward. He said, don't forget that this is pre-Jeff Johns coming, you know, in and, and, and exerting his influence on these films, which I feel is at this point, if you're, you know, a champion of these films and, and wanting to, to see them, you know, keep going and, and keep getting better, I feel like that's one of the straws you're grasping at, you know, because I, I don't know yeah. how much Jeff Johns is really going to write the ship. Um, but wow, that's, Hey, you know, more power to you. If, uh, I mean, I'm hoping he does for sure. I, I, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think he, I mean, based on the CW stuff, it, it's fun. And I think that that's what a lot of these movies are missing is they're trying so hard to be epic that they're not fun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, we can have really like moments when you're watching, you know, the Arrow or Flash and you're like, holy crap, I'm crying at a CW show. Like, you know, that that moment of awareness where you're just like, I should not be having this kind of experience with something on the CW. But you do because they've gotten you invested in the characters. And at this point, I don't care about any of the characters, any of the movies. And I'm hoping that he can find that through line that makes me excited to see what's coming up next. Yeah, what I'm hoping for is an end to this to this troubling uh, like there's a major component in these DC films so far at some point they become borderline incoherent. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. At some point, Batman versus Superman had it a little bit less, but definitely was there. Um, and I feel like Suicide Squad it was fully on display, where it just became incoherent, and that's that's bad. That's not a minor thing. That's not like you know they're not they're just not getting the characters quite right, or you know they've got to work on you know a character motivation more or whatever. No, this is like what is going on. Yeah, why why are we doing this? What is what is this plot point and why do we care about it? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, look, I'm I mean, you know, you might consider me a glutton for punishment, but I'm looking forward to the Wonder Woman film. I think the trailer looks great. My I mean, my coworkers laugh at me at this point. You know, the new trailer. <laughs> and I'm like, "Look at this, this is amazing." And they're like, "Ray, Ray. <laughs> Stop making fake yeah. happen." <laughs> I'm not going to be good. You realize that, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm willing to, you know, I'm willing to, to, to hold out and, you know, we'll see. I'll judge it on, you know, on its own merits when it comes out. And then it comes out. I'm like, oh, I got to hang my head back into work on Monday going, geez, that was terrible. And then the next trailer comes out and I'm, you know, of course, excited and retweeting and posting and all that. So, yeah. All right. Well, on that note, speaking of coworkers and Sean Daly, I'm going to send out a, sh a shout out to Sean. Thank you for um for, you know, voicing your opinion and and championing the the other side of the argument. I'm sorry that we disagree with you. <laughs> 
but um, but we do understand. And you know, there were moments of this movie that I think we both enjoyed. Yeah, so. yeah I think I could make a solid twenty-two minute episode of movie yes. out of what I yeah. enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Any shout outs? Yeah, I want to give a shout out to my sister Valerie. Actually, um, she um, was insistent that I not see the new Ghostbusters film without her because she's such a huge fan of Ghostbusters, as am I. We grew up watching it together. She's covered in tattoos, my sister, and she's got, yup, she's born in the Ghostbusters logo tattoo. So, as I said, yeah, she's a fan. So, shout out to Val. Uh, We had a lot of fun watching that, and um, we're going to be checking out some more cool movies coming up. Very cool. Very, very cool. Next week, uh, we are going to have Rob from the Comic Box podcast on here, and we are going to talk about uh, comic books. And I think since both you and I are are rekindling our love for the actual comic book itself and going into our local store, I think it's a good time to kind of figure out how we can catch up because there's been a lot of changes to a lot of our favorite uh, titles. So we're going to talk to him about that. Uh, you have anything fun coming up? Um geek centric i mean obviously nerdcon i'm super excited for that um but other than that really just looking forward to um my pool list i mean that sounds weird to even be saying <laughs> that but um yeah i'm just looking forward to to sitting down it's been so much fun to just crack open a comic book and just sit down and kind of have like, it's like a break. It's like a built-in break from like social media and like, you know, all the screens that we stare at, you know, most of our, most of our lives nowadays. Um, I, I'm never going to, um, I feel like I'm never going to give up that feeling of like printed pages and like opening up a comic and reading. So, and enjoying that and getting lost. So that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Well, the, the the fun thing is 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 on that note, my my husband again has has tried. I've tried to get him into several comic books, and he just has not. He doesn't enjoy the format, mm. but he he likes the Flintstones out of all things. The new relaunch of the Flintstones. So I was like, dude, do you want me to put the Flintstones on my pull list? I will put it on my pull list. And now every time I go to the the comic book store, he's like, did, did they have my issue? I'm like, no, not yet. You have to wait a little every month, buddy. Every we month. We spend a lot of time on superhero stuff, but I mean, really, there's a comic book for everyone. There really is. There really, really is. All right. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as all the different podcatchers out there. So uh, whatever you use, we should be on there. Please leave us a review and spread the word so we can uh, get ourselves a, a little bit of a bigger audience and hopefully go to more things like NerdCon. If you would like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show at geektitude on Twitter or me personally, at Epic Grays. How about you, Ray? Remind us where we can find uh, you. You can find me across all social media at Ray Vargas 3. So Ray Vargas and then the number 3. Um, follow me on Facebook to check out, uh, you know, me and Sean arguing about um, Suicide Squad. <laughs> 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 this week. Um, and also um, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, Tumblr. It's all at Ray Vargas 3, as is my website, rayvargas3.com. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Ray. It's always a pleasure. I think the next time we're going to get you is hopefully for uh, Doctor Strange. Yes, is, I was going to ask, is that the next one coming out? I think that's the next big okay, one. Cool, because that's not on my calendar yet, so it's going there. And for the rest of you, all of you listening out there, remember this week, 
keep it geek.